Today's episode of the Planet Football Podcast is brought to you by T-Mobile. See how T-Mobile has changed the game at the 2016 T-Mobile Home Run Derby. Go to tmobile.com slash MLB to see how. Welcome to a Euro 2016 final edition of the Planet Football Podcast. I am SI.com soccer editor, Avi Creditor, joined today by an esteemed panel of SI experts. We've got SI senior writer Grant Wall, SI.com's Brian Strauss, and SI.com's Ben Littleton, and we are going to break down this final of France versus Portugal. Gentlemen, welcome to today's show. Um, We are left with two teams, one which I think a lot of people thought would be in this final, and that's France, and then another in Portugal that uh, just kind of found its way there it finished in third it didn't really overwhelm anybody um you know it it, it looked deserving in, in the semifinal against wales for about three minutes but here they are uh you know 90 minutes potentially 120 away from from winning a first major trophy grant uh what do you think about this matchup i'm looking forward to it you know i mean it's odd a little bit that portugal is in the final but they have beaten the teams that have been put in front of them they've taken advantage of the 24 team expanded tournament to finish third in their group and still advance. And, uh, you know, I I think France is uh, a pretty significant favorite in this game, but I don't want to rule out Portugal. Uh, The fact they've made it to the final uh, means that they can win this game as well. And uh, they have the best player on the field, in my opinion, and Cristiano Ronaldo. And and if he has a memorable game and, and continues to be transcendent as he was for parts of the uh, the semifinal, then I think Portugal's got a shot. Ben, um, you know, I you picked France to to win um, for sure, and and have you seen enough from France at this point to to lead you to believe that they're you know by by far the favorite to win this game on on Sunday? Yes, I think so. They they will be favorites, and I think deservedly so because everyone criticizes Portugal for having an easy run to the to the final, but France have had a pretty easy route as well. But take you back to the before the tournament began when we're trying to do the brackets and break down the path to the final. If these teams both top their group, they will be in opposite halves of the draw. So the fact that Portugal came third, but they still ended up in the top half of the draw where they would have faced England in the quarters, Spain in the semis, if the seeding system would have worked perfectly. So they were always going to be on that side of the draw. And France were always going to be in the side of the draw where they might face Germany in a semi-final. So the France-Germany matchup in the semi was totally in keeping with many people's predictions. What we had in the top half of the draw, which we've covered ever since the group stage was over, was a, a series of shocks. But Portugal were always going to be in that side had they finished first or third in the group. So to, to be to be down on Portugal for having an easy route is actually a bit bit off because they gave themselves a harder route by not winning a single game in the group stage. But to go back to France, I do think um, they would be worthy winners of the tournament, not just because they're the host nation and they're the neutrals choice given um, the tragedies that happened last November and the, the fact that on the whole, the French fans have been wonderful hosts, but actually the way they've played has been really exciting. You could argue that Didier Deschamps has been a reactive coach Most of the time, the team has been in trouble in the first half of games, and then he's made a change, and that has made the massive difference. Think of the late goal against Romania from Dimitri Payet in the opening game, 
the substitutions against Albania when Griezmann and Payet came came well Griezmann came off the bench and scored the tactical switch against Ireland when they turned a, a one nil halftime deficit into a two one win by playing Griezmann through the middle. These are all reactive changes that that Deschamps has made, and you could argue it two ways: one, he's getting his lineup wrong in the first place, or two, he's recognizing that there's an issue and and correcting it in time. But I think with Griezmann in the form he's in and some of the confidence of these players, France have the momentum and and I think should go on to win it. Um, look, Germany brought it. I thought that game was fantastic. Probably the best played game uh, of this whole tournament. And we can talk about this whole tournament uh, in, in a bit, just what we think about just the quality of it all. But, um, you know, France has, has earned its way and Griezmann is, is playing out of his mind. Brian, uh, in terms of... Portugal, uh, you're you're not a, a huge a huge fan, are you? I've taken a couple shots at him on Twitter, I guess. No, they just have a. I I just feel like this is not the first tournament where there have been occasions where sort of Portugal has ground a game to a halt or dragged a game to the lowest common denominator. And yes, you can't criticize them for for the schedule. They didn't get to choose the teams they played. You know, you can't assess a team's performance in a tournament, which is such a, a a small sample size, without looking at who they played. I mean, let's look at the way we've talked about the U.S.'s run through the Copa America. Who'd they beat? Who'd they lose to? What does that say about where they stand? And Portugal should be much better. I mean, you know, the six teams they've played, I know people, I know the FIFA rankings aren't gospel, but they do give you a relative sense of where teams may stand vis-a-vis each other. They've only played one team in this tournament that's even in the FIFA top 20. And they've really, really labored uh, to create anything against teams that they should be far superior than. And so, yes, they've survived in advance. And yes, that's what that's a tournament about, the a tournament's about. But they haven't inspired. They haven't showed anything other than that they rely totally on Cristiano Ronaldo to pull something out of a hat. Um, and, and they're deserving in the sense only that no one else has managed to make it. Um, you know, France and Germany were by far the two best teams in the tournament. That for me was the final. It was it was a it was a gripping game. Um, and you know, I, I think France France deserves to win it, which is probably why Portugal will. <laughs> uh, I think it was uh, in, in one of Jonathan Wilson's columns uh, for us on Planet Football he, about Portugal. He wrote that they are a, a grim, grinded outside uh, that has one extraordinary part, and that's pretty accurate i mean just based on the balance of how they've played although look which is give... sad because this is a country that that produces good footballers you know but players with some skill and some technique and some flair i mean this you know this is not this is not uh you know they're not norway you know uh the, the, i just don't uh i don't understand why a country that does have some tradition with producing talented players when they're on the world stage tends to, like I said, sort of sort of strip the game down to its parts. Um, it's disappointing. I think a lot of that has to do with this manager as well, uh, Fernando Santos. And we had Giorgio Samaras on our podcast earlier this week talking about what it was like playing for him. Um, and it's, look, it's, it's, it's not pretty soccer, but it's winning soccer. And that's, you know, they're in the final for a reason. Grant, do you fear that Portugal is just going to suck the life out of this final and, and kind of rob us of an entertaining spectacle? I don't expect much different from Portugal in this final than what we've seen in this tournament. I thought the game against Croatia was very symbolic of what Portugal has done in this tournament. Uh, you know, we were headed to penalties, and finally Croatia commits players forward late in extra time, 
and gets punished for it instantly by Portugal when Quaresma got the goal. Uh, and that seems to be the way Portugal wants to play these games, and I expect they'll do the same against France. I think Croatia was the best team they played in this tournament. And, you know, you look at Portugal, and I do think bringing on Renato Sanchez to start in the quarterfinal finally gave Ronaldo a teammate who was a good attacker. Uh, and, and certainly Sanchez's performance uh, was terrific in the quarterfinal, not so great in the semifinal. But um, I don't expect anything different from Portugal in this final, maybe even more so kind of just playing to try and, and get something off the break, uh, being you know very um, you know conservative in their approach. And that's a bummer because uh, I think it will make for a final that is not great unless France gets out and gets an early goal and then forces Portugal to play. Brian says it's disappointing that, that Portugal play like this, but you look at their tournament record over the last 10 years, 12 years since Ronaldo made his debut in 2004. And it is sensational. Two finals, three semifinals. I mean, this is something that a team like England would totally dream of. <laughs> so this idea of would you sacrifice playing beautiful football for reaching a final or, or, or going deeper in the tournament? You know, I think England fans would take it. So Ben, I'm, Ben, I'd settle for watchable. <laughs> Beautiful, a beautiful man. I'm, I'm, I'm American. I don't, I, I can tolerate not watching beautiful football. How about watchable? How about a country that produces talent like this? Try spending time in England since, since (laughs) we to Iceland. I love England. Uh, Grant, to your point uh, of an early goal for France, I think that if you're a neutral and and don't honestly care who wins this thing, I think that's the best thing that could possibly happen because we've seen what happens with Portugal when their backs are against the wall, when they needed goals, when they needed a result against Hungary, uh, that, that was maybe the most entertaining game, uh, you know, maybe not top quality, but the most entertaining game of this tournament, that three, three draw and Ronaldo went into to Ronaldo mode and came up in, in the clutch. And I think that's, you know, the longer it stays zero, zero and the longer, you know, Portugal is just putting up that, that fence, then, then we're going to get a, a dragged out final. Hey everybody, uh, we'll be back to the podcast in a moment, but first I have a message from our sponsor, T-Mobile. Um, we were just talking about game changers, and we'll talk about more uh, when it comes to Ronaldo and Messi and all the other players that we've seen over the course of not only Euro 2016, but also Copa America. Well, with just one swing, home runs can be the ultimate game changer too, in a different sport, obviously. But at T-Mobile, they know how to change the game for good. T-Mobile has doubled their LTE coverage to reach 309 million Americans, which is a lot of Americans. And their extended range LTE reaches two times farther and is four times stronger in buildings than before. Just as their network has you covered, T-Mobile also has the Home Run Derby covered too. And I have to admit at this point that as a soccer person, it's taking every ounce of strength I have not to say Derby, like a Home Run Derby. Anyway, make your picks in T-Mobile's Home Run Derby Bracket Challenge at T-Mobile.com MLB for a chance to win a trip for four to Game 1 of the World Series. If you can go to a World Series game, I think you should take that opportunity. I did it last year. It was game five. I'm a Royals fan. They won. It was awesome. Okay, now for the legal stuff. LTE doubled over 2015 and 2016. No purchase necessary to enter or win. It ends on July 10th, 2016, and it's open to legal residents of the 50 U.S. states and D.C. Must be 18 or older to enter. Void where prohibited. 
For official rules and complete details, visit MLB.com slash Bracket Challenge. Now, before we get back to the podcast, I do want to say one more thing. Uh, we'll be taking a bit of a hiatus after our next show. So this is the show previewing the Euro 2016 final. After the Euro 2016 final, we'll have one more show where we recap all the action, talk about the tournament, talk about the game, who was good, who was bad, so on and so forth. We might have a special guest for that. Definitely tune in. Uh, but then after that, we're going to take a little bit of a break. Uh, we'll be out, we'll be off air for about two weeks uh, while we just regroup and think about the uh, metric ton of podcasts that we've dropped on you over the last uh, month, maybe eight weeks or so, in light of all the sum- summer tournaments. Uh, but when we come back, we want the Planet Football podcast to be uh, better, and uh, we would like for you to have a say in what we sound like going forward. So if you have anything you would like to hear on the show, whether it was a segment that we did that you liked and you would uh, like to hear more of, if it's more reported segments, uh, specific topics you'd like for us to cover, please let us know. I'm the producer of the show. My name is Alex Abnos, and my Twitter handle is at A-N-A-B-N-O-S. That's A-N-A-B-N-O-S. Uh, just hit me up there. Tell me what you think. Uh, we also have our, our esteemed panel uh, this week, uh, at Grant Wall and at Brian Strauss and at Avi Creditor. I guess I'm the only one that doesn't have just my name as my Twitter handle. Maybe I should fix that. Uh, in any case, let me know what you think. Uh, and in the meantime, please enjoy this show. I'll get you back to it right now. Thanks for listening. In terms of Ronaldo's legacy now, um, I, want, I want to shift to that because we spent a lot of this summer talking about uh, Lionel Messi and and kind of assuming that Argentina, you know, if if they didn't win Copa America, they would be in the final and he'd have a chance to add that, that international trophy to his resume. He didn't. And I don't think many of us thought that Portugal would be in the position that they are in. I think Ronaldo's international legacy and overall legacy has kind of been overlooked. But now here he is, 12 years after losing the final at home to Greece um, with, with the chance to add this trophy. And, and Ben, I guess I'll start with you on this. I'm just kind of wondering what you think this, this would do for him uh, in terms of you know the, the discussion, the Pele, the Maradona, the Messi, the Ronaldo. Where, where would this put him? Would it change anything? I, I feel a bit sorry for Ronaldo because he, you know, he doesn't get the, the credit he deserves. He does in Portugal, but elsewhere, as John Wilson said, he is you know, an extraordinary player and, and a player of moments. Um, now he, he no longer dominates games like he used to with, with as many touches on the ball because he's changed his position. He's more immobile, but is capable of occasional moments of absolute brilliance. And he's been the game changer in their knockout matches. So if they win an international tournament for the first time in, in their history, I think he already is the greatest Portuguese player ever. Um, which is something that no one is saying about Messi because he's not Portuguese. But, you know, the debate about Messi um, and Maradona is moot because Messi has not won an international trophy, or at least in some people's eyes, you know, that's why Messi will never come close to Maradona. So he'll he'll have won an international tournament. But I think it's kind of irrelevant because you look at his record over the last six, seven years, and he does deserve to be up there. And I think there are three players who are the best players to have ever played the game. And I think if Ronaldo um, sees himself in, in knocking on the door of that, then I, I guess winning this, um, winning this game, which will then lead to him winning the Ballon d'Or, by the way, which is obviously a big thing for him. But this game is essentially a Ballon d'Or playoff between Ronaldo and Griezmann, because Ronaldo won the Champions League Griezmann didn't, but if Griezmann 
helps France win the Euros on home soil and will be top scorer, having got, got Atletico Madrid to the final of the Champions League, I think he's in pole position to win the Ballon d'Or. And when you look at the Ronaldo-Messi rivalry and what, li- what lies behind that and the players that might replace them, I think it's clear that Griezmann is the closest on current form to these two superstar players. He is the next Galactico. You know, Atletico Madrid just locked him up, um, you know, earlier this summer, which is a great piece of business for them. Um, you know, he's not really looked at in that in that same tier, but you know, uh, mainstream wise, anyway. But uh, but perhaps he should be. I mean, a lot of the focus entering this tournament for France was on Paul Pogba, um, and he's had some some good moments in this tournament. But I don't think he's been the the sensation, the hundred million dollar you know transfer star. Um, you know, across the board, and and Griezmann has really put France on his back, especially ever since he's he's kind of been moved more, more centrally. Brian, uh, would would you agree that this would kind of propel Ronaldo to to new heights, especially doing it right after winning the the Champions League final as well? You know, I think Ben, the the thing that stands out to me the most is when Ben mentioned sort of where they each stand relative to to the legends in their own country, and for for Messi. The legacy of Maradona is is a weight on him. It's something you know. We, we we want this guy to sort of be in the stratosphere of the best two or three players of all time, but he's tugged at constantly by what Maradona accomplished in 1986. Whereas Ronaldo doesn't have that 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 weight around him. You know, uh, I mean, Eusebio, I guess the '66 World Cup semis. You know, Figo and and that generation never got it done. So I, I think I agree with Ben. I mean, Ronaldo already is the best. Portuguese player of all time. He's won uh, the Champions League and the Club World Cup with two different clubs, as opposed to Messi, who's been with the same club his whole career. Um, and and he's not being compared to anyone unfavorably. The pressure on him isn't nearly the same as it is on Messi. So while on one hand that makes you know Messi has to deal with that pressure, what makes it harder for him, and we saw how that pressure impacted him uh, in New York after they lost to Chile. I mean. So I think I think Ronaldo already is the best Portuguese player ever, whether or not they win on Sunday. Um, and if he does win, I, I think, uh, you know, I, I still think that he I don't know that his legacy changes that much because he'll have secured his, his place in Portugal uh, in Portuguese uh, soccer history. And I don't know that anyone's going to lift him up, certainly not anywhere near Pele and Maradona. And, and quite frankly, I, I wouldn't put him up along with Cruyff and Zidane either in that level. Um, I think he's just a, a, a touch below that. Um, and, uh, you know, I think that's where he'll stay. Uh, although, of course, you know, if he uh, if he wins on Sunday, maybe they'll they'll build that big statue of him in Portugal with the uh, enhancements. Grant, <laughs> <laughs> uh, do, do you think he should be in, in that top tier, though? Like, why? Why isn't he? Why isn't he mentioned as as the greatest ever uh, if he pulls this off with with Portugal? I think it's a fascinating discussion because what I always say, and I've said it in the past month about Messi is he is one, the greatest player in the world today, and two, arguably one of the greatest players of all time. I don't find myself saying that about Cristiano Ronaldo, even right now. Uh, I don't think he's the greatest player in the world, the best player in the world right now. I don't think he is arguably one of the greatest players of all time. Um, And maybe that's unfair. I, I, I find it interesting to hear people make the argument that Ronaldo might be the best player in the world right now, or that he might be in the discussion for greatest of all time. And I honestly don't think whether he wins on Sunday will have 
an impact on those discussions. And I find that interesting. And maybe it's because of the way that he plays compared to Messi. I find Messi to be so much more inventive and I would use the term genius to describe Lionel Messi. I have never used the term genius to describe Cristiano Ronaldo and I don't think I ever will. And maybe that's unfair, but I just find his game to be based more on athleticism. Um, and maybe it'll change if he wins five Ballon d'Ors, but he hasn't. Uh, I'm interested in the discussion about what this game on Sunday might mean for the Ballon d'Or for 2016, because I think Ben's right. I think Griezmann is, is certainly in the discussion. I think Ronaldo's in the discussion. I think Lionel Messi is still in the discussion, even though Argentina didn't win the final of the Copa America, and even though uh, Barcelona didn't win the Champions League. So I'm going to be very curious to see how all this plays out. Uh, I, I think Ronaldo has suffered a little bit because his career has come at the same time as Messi's. But if he can win this Euro, maybe you'll start to see people talking about Ronaldo more in terms of one of the greatest of all time. I just, I'm not there yet. Can I just disagree with Grant on one thing and agree with him on another? Sure. sure. Good. So, <laughs> um, I don't think Ronaldo is unlucky that he's playing at the same time as Messi. I think he's lucky. Because I think if Messi wasn't playing now, Ronaldo would not have been pushed and inspired and motivated to try and better Messi. He'd be by far and away the best player of his generation and happy to score 35 to 40 goals a season. But because Messi's playing, he's now inspired to score 50 goals a season. Um, so I, I think the fact that Messi is playing at the same time as Ronaldo makes Ronaldo better. Um, and the other thing... Um, that I'd like to agree with Grant about is this idea that Ronaldo is seen as not as good um, and whether it's simply just a perception thing because you see Messi as a genius partly because of the, the moves he does on the pitch but I think partly it's because of the way he behaves on the pitch away from his general actions when he's fouled he doesn't moan uh, when he scores a goal he celebrates with teammates not on his own this idea that Ronaldo is a total individualist um, and Messi is not this sense that, you know, one is good and one is not good or, you know, not not good. But, you know, is is, is a kind of villainous type, uh, a panto villain that we love to boo. And that that feels pretty harsh, I think. And the other thing Brian touched on is about Griezmann. And why is he not in the mix for for not necessarily for the Ballon d'Or, but why is he not in the conversation about who are the top three or four or even five players in the world today? Because it is about Pogba, and I can see why, because Pogba talks about Pogba as a future Ballon d'Or and, and a future legend, and Griezmann doesn't. But this is a guy that any club in the world would want. Surely, surely he's proved it, not just this summer, but over the whole season at Atletico. He's one of the top players in the world today, surely. Are we just are we eliminating Danny Drinkwater from the Ballon d'Or conversation? <laughs> <laughs> just, just full he's, stop. He's in. He's in the, He's got to be on the podium, surely, Brian. We got to okay. Brian. We got to get you the USA's ballot. Let's uh, <laughs> let's make sure let's make sure that happens. Uh, look, let's just devil's advocate because I I don't really have a, a strong opinion either way. But if you look at the numbers, Ronaldo has the most Champions League goals of all time. He just tied Michel Platini as for the most Euro goals of all time. Granted, he's done it in, I believe, 20 matches and Platini did it in like five, but it's still 
the numbers back him up. And if he adds a trophy uh, to this, in addition to what Brian talked about and all the club success at multiple clubs, I'm just, the resume is there. Uh, I, I, I think it, a lot of it has to do with the attitude, but then you look at the, the crap that he puts up with on the field. He's had like no less than three streakers come at him. Uh, he's had volunteer kids at the, at the stadium right before a semifinal. Oh, okay, fine. But like, I'm just saying this is one of the biggest games of his lives and he's, he's prepping for, and he's got these volunteer stadium worker kids coming up with him, grabbing selfies right before the game. It's just no other player puts up with that. And it's not, it's look, it's not the hardest of hardships, but it's still stuff that he deals with. And, and I don't, I, I think it gets glossed over a lot more. Um, I, it's fascinating to see. It's a fascinating debate. Um, and it's another wrinkle to this final, um, which is going to put a cap on this tournament. And before we put a cap on this podcast, I want, I just want to talk about this whole tournament as a whole. Um, Ben, the expansion to 24, a lot of managers have said it's diluted the quality. Yogi Love said that, uh, has it? Yes. <laughs> uh, I think the quality of international football in general is far lower than, than Champions League football anyway. And, and we see that at World Cups. But I think the quality um, in this tournament has been lower than it has been for a long time. But I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing because we've seen some storylines like Albania, like Iceland, like Wales that have um, lit up the tournament and have been the point of the expansion of the expansion so if we're expanding it and just seeing more top 12 teams make it into or top 16 teams make it into the last 16 then i feel like the point of the expansion is is wasted but this has been a positive expansion because iceland beat england and because wales ran to the semis and the benefits in those countries is is vast and i think it reminds us that international football does have a wider purpose and can help unite, inspire, um, and bring together a whole nation. And I think those stories are, are fantastic. And when UEFA look back and decide whether this has been a successful tournament, um, I think those storylines have to be taken into account. I think the the um, consequences or, or repercussions of, of of these successes will will run for years and years. And I think that's a fantastic legacy take from a tournament whether or not we saw enough goals we saw enough excitement uh, we've certainly seen excellent refereeing as well all the way through the tournament there's barely been a bad decision and I think we only talk about referees when they make bad decisions so I think it's only fair to note that actually I think they've been pretty brilliant all the way through which is nice um, but yeah the the expansion I, I guess they'd say has worked because of the storylines but in terms of the quality is is really not that great Grant, Johnny Infantino wants a, a 40-team World Cup. Does this expansion to 24 teams of this tournament kind of change your opinion on on what that would mean in terms of quality of a, of a World Cup? Or are they kind of two entirely separate things or, or way too different for you to, to kind of see it in that light? I mean, the comparison I would make actually is to something like the English Premier League where it's not maybe the very best soccer quality in the world and yet it's the most entertaining league in the world and i think i've gotten a fair amount of entertainment from this 24 team euro from teams like iceland and wales and even seeing hungary and their 3-3 against portugal with their old goalkeeper and spot fans um, and i've enjoyed being exposed to these teams that i haven't seen as much of uh, 
but it's been more of an entertainment thing than a quality thing. But I will always think the 16-team European Championship is was the highest quality major tournament because of the 16 teams. And because even the group stage games were often heavyweight matchups you know, with great soccer. And so have we seen a lot of games like France, Germany in this Euro where the quality was just really high? No, not as much. But I'm okay with the, the exchange that's been made here and the entertainment that we've gotten from this tournament. And there have been some dud games, obviously, as well. But um, I'll remember Iceland you know, you know, for a long time and what they did in this tournament, especially against England. I'll remember that 3-3 with Hungary and Portugal. I'll remember France, Germany, and hopefully I'll remember the final. I, I keep my fingers crossed still. Um, how that approaches or applies to a 40-team World Cup, I'm not so certain yet. I, I, I'm, bu- I'm bummed out whenever you get off a format that is mathematically pleasing. I like the fact there's a 32 team world cup where you have to finish in the top two of your group to advance. It makes the group stage games matter more. I don't like it when you play so many games in a 2014 tournament just to remove eight teams and get to 16. So I hope world cup stays at 32, but that's a wait and see. Fair enough, Brian, uh, I'll give you the, uh, the final word on this. When, when you look back on this Euro uh, 2016, um, you know, the final notwithstanding, maybe we're in store for the greatest final that's ever been played. Who knows? Uh, it, what's, what's your takeaway going to be? Um, is it, is it Iceland? Is it France? Is it Cristiano Ronaldo? What, what do you think? Uh, clearly that I, I have bad luck because I was on a plane coming home from Houston during this Portugal hungry game <laughs> and everyone, my opinion about Portugal <laughs> which I've had for a decade would be different if I had uh, not been in the air. Um, no, I, 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 I agree with both these guys. I mean, I, I, I love the 32 team world cup. I, it, it's, 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 you know, it's perfect. It, it, it is inclusive, but it's still elite. It makes sense. Uh, the top two teams move on round of 16, round of eight, et cetera. It's square. It's, it's ideal. Don't mess with it. I also agree with Ben that, what international football gives us is these stories like Iceland is these stories like Wales. Of course, that's what I'm going to remember from this tournament. I mean, remember, remembering Germany or France doing well at a tournament isn't hard. It happens every two years. Um, but remembering the, the thrill of seeing, you know, half of Iceland's, you know, do that clap, uh, at a, at a viewing party in Reykjavik, uh, and, and what, what some of, and getting to see Albania and getting to see these smaller countries have a chance. I think that's what the continental championship should be about. You know, the CONCACAF gold cup includes Haiti and Cuba and, and, and El Salvador and countries that would never have a shot at making a world cup, but have their chance on the stage to play in front of their countrymen, to play in front of uh, international fans around their region. That's what continental tournaments should be for. I have no problem with these being expanded and giving these teams a stage to play and to have the effect on on the culture of the sport in their country, like Ben described. But I think it should stop there. I hope the World Cup stays at 32. I know it won't, but I hope it does. <laughs> well said. Well said indeed. Um, well, I want to thank you guys for your time. Uh, I am looking forward to this final. Uh, it's, it's an intriguing one. I hope uh, it plays out that way on the field and is not 
zero zero snooze fest that ends in penalties because that uh well in a lot of ways would be fitting but uh but would not exactly be the most entertaining way to finish off the summer of soccer um but again that's france and portugal on sunday at the stade de france uh definitely keep an eye on that one and we'll talk about it all uh on monday uh, the day after it's over so stay tuned for that um That'll wrap it up for today. Uh, I want to thank our producer, Alex Abnos, Grant Wall, Brian Strauss, and Ben Littleton. I am Avi Creditor. We'll talk to you next time on the Planet Football Podcast. Do you know about the Locked On Podcast Network? The number one daily sports podcast network. Locked On has a daily podcast on every NBA and NFL team, plus a growing lineup of college and MLB teams. You get a daily bite-sized podcast giving you the latest on your team from the local experts. Lakers fans, search Locked On Lakers. Cowboys fans, search Locked On Cowboys. Just search Locked On, your favorite team, on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts, or tell your smart speaker to play podcast Locked On, your favorite team. Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.